0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bio of Hat Hacker. I'm your host, Ludwig McVay II. Second. Today we'll be talking about uh, pretty much the intelligence cycle and uh, how it's applied to my career uh, up until this point in my life. Um, so, hopefully today we're going to uh, talk about What exactly the intelligence cycle is, is it's very misunderstood, and its use is, for the most part, shrouded in mystery, from a public perspective, apparently, and um, some of its uses, both good and bad, because, as I say, there are many things still in society that uh, don't trust. The intelligence cycle um, or the people involved in the intelligence cycle just like they don't trust us hackers uh, we'll get into that here in a bit but the intelligence cycle is nothing more than the gathering of information and the uh, exploiting of information for uh, the benefit of your um, your patron, your boss, yourself, in in some cases, if you are doing this operation for your own personal gain, and um, decision makers, that kind of thing. And we'll, we'll go into some more definition, but just understand that it's nothing more or less than a uh, process to give you uh, timely advantage in contentious situations. Or to give your stakeholders timely uh, intelligence and information. Well, intelligence, because when you give it to them it will be intelligence so that they can make key decisions revolving around something that is a concern for them i.e a problem you're giving them a solution that's all it is um this can be both used for good or for bad and all is going to depend on which side of the argument that you're on so uh drawing me today is uh talk about the intelligence cycle and some of its application. So what is this intelligence cycle? Um, I'm gonna actually go to the uh, Wikipedia page and in most cases I do not consider this a solid solid source of information however, It really, really can link you to uh, other valuable sources of information on the net, on the uh, surface net, anyway. uh, It's a a very good resource. And the the problem and why it's not such a great resource is because anybody can add to, take away from, etc. I mean, granted, the changes are tracked, but to the casual observer... You can totally use it to uh, spread this information and other things. So you always would want to verify a Wikipedia source. It's gotten better over the years, but there it is. But uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, the intelligence cycle describes how intelligence is ideally processed in a civilian and military intelligence agencies, law enforcement and law enforcement organizations. It is closed path consisting of repeating nodes to result in finished intelligence. And then it goes into the different stages, but we'll come back to that. So breaking that down, all it is is uh, it's a process. That's it. It's just a process. You take your requirements you go out and gather some data. You clean that data by throwing out the junky shit and you know, verifying your sources and all that. And then you analyze your good, clean data and develop an action plan for your stakeholders from that data. You make it look all pretty in a consumable format that they can understand quickly, efficiently, and within the time constraints that you've had to develop your product and it would have your recommendations and all that kind of stuff into it. And then there's normally a uh, feedback portion that would go into, uh, you know, what can we do better next time? Do we need to reinsert the question? Do we need to gather more data? All that kind of stuff. That's the basics. Uh, Depending on which methodology you're using, you may have other steps in the process, but that's the basics to develop your intelligence from information. So when it's talking about like independent nodes, that's literally just a stage in the process. Every stage of the process can be an independent process in and of itself. So it would have a loop that you could keep on feeding into and refining, right? And it's part of the overall large loop of the process. This is a lot easier to see if you are looking at an illustration. So I apologize that this is an audio format, but that's the gist. So think of a circle that links five to six, seven, some cases, other little circles. And each of those little circles has a few other little circles inside of it because you can reinsert different things into those little circles and they can all operate independent of each other okay Um, sounds really confusing it isn't and that's what it's talking about when it's consisting of the repeating nodes and will result in the finished intelligence. And then if we go into the finished intelligence, it talks about the intelligence assessment, or simply intel. Um, it's based on a wide range of available overt and covert information, right? That becomes intelligence. The assessments develop in response to leadership declaration requirements to inform the decision-making, i.e., what I was just talking about, stakeholders, your uh, patron. Your boss. People above you. Right? In most cases. Unless you are the stakeholder yourself. And you're involved in the intelligence cycle. That doesn't happen very often. Unless you are an independent. Okay? Assessment may be executed on behalf of state, military, or commercial organization. With a range of information sources available to each Right, Then you have intelligence studies, international relations, and military sciences are like the broad strokes of um, education-slash-training that you could have. So, I'll go back. Uh, the conceptual model is just what I was kind of talking about, the, uh, the circle, with the little circles in it. With the little circles inside of those but there's this nice little lens model for relation relationship of data information and intelligence that's um, on the the wikipedia page so if you need a visual uh, it's the one that's relationship of data information and intelligence on the outside before the first lens you have your operational environment I.e., you know, your your external source of data. Because all data is is just all the stuff about everything. It's very broad. Then it goes through the collection lens. And this is where a little bit of the data is targeted. It would be uh, only if it was relevant to your question, for instance. So anything that is relevant... To whatever the problem is, whatever your question is, you'd want to suck in. Now that's data. Then it goes through another uh, lens. This is processing and exploitation. And it goes again through a, a refining process. That's all this is. And we're, we're chucking out relevant, irrelevant um That kind of thing. Depending on the system that you're using, i.e. which process that you're using, because there are a couple of standards, it would be um, graded and stuff gets thrown away, right? So there's audit steps at each portion of cleaning the data to determine source, um, relevancy, and that kind of stuff. right? And then that becomes information. Analysis and production is the final lens. And in that stage, your information goes into the lens. And a human, because although algorithms are getting much, much better, they still do not possess the human mind. It takes a human mind to truly analyze data like I say for, for most things um, an algorithm in 2022 will suffice it will um, unless you are dealing with uh, like super super high tech or uh, really big corporate uh, uh, Intelligent processes and all that kind of stuff. Even if you use those algorithms, it always gets signed off by a human or by a team of humans. Period. Um, So there is no automatic intelligence uh, thing. At some point in this process, and normally at the end of the process, it goes through human hands, or in front of human eyes, so that it can be actually assessed by a human mind, and then it will be, you know, compiled and delivered as intelligence to the stakeholders. Okay? And that's the intelligence cycle. That's it sounds a little complicated it isn't it's really really simple and basic what makes it so powerful is that human mind (laughs) at the end it's that human mind at the end nor minds that take that data plot that data and make associations and develop uh, the actual intelligence and how it can be exploited for the given situation <laughs> to give the, uh, the stakeholders advantage in, in a timely manner and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, that's, that's the, the purest form of the intelligence cycle. And I just went over all this kind of stuff, basically. In the collection stage, we, we do what's known as the, uh, the intelligence collection plan. This is when everybody sits around and goes, okay, this is what we're going to look for. This is uh, how we're going to collect it, right? And there's different types of intelligence disciplines. They're all the same thing. It's just basically the source of where you're gathering the data, right? So you've got Humant, which is human intelligence. Iment, imagery intelligence. Elint. Electronic intelligence, SIGINT, signals intelligence, OSINT, open source or publicly available intelligence, etc. Right? If anybody's ever thought about like the spies and shit in the field, that's that's generally what human intelligence gathering is done by, The operators. Okay. Um all other sources are are firsthand in regard to there's somebody on the other end of the collection actually screening whatever signal or imagery they're looking at and then passing it off to the analysts, right? Okay. Went over that. Analyst establishes the significance of implications, process intelligence. Yep, this is what I just said. And the final thing, after dissemination, so dissemination is when you send it off and you also figure out who else in the cycle or in the company or on the team needs to have the specific findings from the intelligence and, you know, you develop your action plan from there sort of thing, right? Alright. Okay. And then you get feedback from the decision maker and revised requirements issued. It's a constant cycle. Until the project is closed, it's a constant cycle. And it's an editable cycle, if you will. Like, you can go through a cycle and boss will go, uh, okay. This is all good, but I want to input this, right? And run through it through exactly the same way. Maybe gather this other type of data to throw in. Okay. Now, that is the overall intelligence cycle. Uh, we're going to break here on this, and we're going to come back and discuss some applications and how I've used it in my profession. So, myself and a family member were both uh, enlisted in the United States Air Force. And we are technically both members of the intelligence community. And uh, I don't think that a lot of civilians understand that uh, because looking at his job title for instance versus my job titles might not convey that apparently Um, but where my family member was an analyst so the back half of that process we were just talking about and a key part of that process don't misunderstand me I am also an analyst, <laughs> but I do more things with, uh, on the front end of the process, okay? So, if we look at the different types of uh, intelligence and how it's collected, um, just to review, we had Humant, Imant. Uh, ellent, SIGINT, OSINT, and there are a few other forms, but intelligence is intelligence, okay? Uh, the only one that involves a bit more human interaction through the process is human, And that normally involves a, uh, a field op- operator who, um, you know, has some local assets in place to feed them information, for instance. They're still an analyst, all right? Um, That's why a lot of us in the intelligence community, I mean, yeah. I don't want to get into that. I apologize, so I'm not going to talk about it. But point is that it's 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 the one where um people in the field are in, in the most danger, right? Is the, the gathering of human, both the assets and the analysts. Right? So we don't like to see those people get hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um uh, anyway the other types there's there's a an intermediary kind of collection and in most cases it makes the analyst a bit more secure um depending on you know if you're actually in theater for instance um shack can get blown up i mean you know you're not all the way out of danger, but you're not, uh, you're not standing out in the middle of an open field, uh, no gun in hand and about to get capped by everybody, right? Um, so there is that dangerous element, especially when we're talking military type intelligence uh, gathering, or information gathering Because it's, again, not intelligence until you analyze it, right? So, my uh, two main methods are in signals intelligence. Well, three, actually. Signals intelligence, electronic intelligence, and I use OSINT. Okay? This is actually some things that I, I post in blurbs and stuff all over the net. (laughs) I mean, I don't hide it. And, um, this will come into play here in a minute. But you have these different types of intelligence gathering, like, you know, and in, in my case, I'm an electronic warfare journeyman okay I deal with the entire uh, electronic spectrum to facilitate uh, you know tactics of war against our enemies that, that, that's what I do uh, a lot of electronic countermeasures counter countermeasures. Uh, the signals intelligence and that kind of stuff. So, whatever device which by the way, most in my field are known as electronic ordnance, i.e., a weapon as classified by the uh, the Department of Defense, I believe. Yeah. I mean, there, there's nothing nice, of, well, I think I'm nice, but, you know, there's, there's nothing nice about what we work with. And uh, so we would get our our devices in, and it's the, the name of the device I primarily worked on in the, the Air Force was the uh, AN-ALQ-184 Electronic Attack Pod. So we get these devices in we test these devices to make sure that they can do what they're supposed to do and we analyze the data right, and make sure that they're operating in proper fashion. We also load those pods with the, the secret stuff that uh, makes our, our, our adversaries have a bad day. We also do a a bit of like, you know, after action um, scans and uh, combing through so that we can see where maybe we we messed up or uh, see what could be improved for a, a similar, another given scenario in future type thing. Okay, so remember we talked about the intelligence cycle, about the gathering of data the cleaning of data uh, and the analyzing of data, and then it becomes intelligence. I just fully participated in the intelligence cycle. And that was while I was still in the military. Specifically, you know, that was part of my job. So the Air Force actually does have, you know, the Air Force intelligence. uh, All the branches do, actually. But just because your title doesn't have intelligence by it doesn't mean that you aren't in the intelligence community to those of you on the outside looking in. If if it involves spectrum or the gathering of data for the purposes of analyzing data, that field is in the intelligence community. Okay? Uh, I mean, I I can't make it any more plain than that. Cannot. So I got out of the Air Force. And I'm going to go into my LinkedIn because actually I'm I'm not the best anymore, just, you know, keeping cohesive, and I want to make sure I cover all the points for the experience, so I'm going to view my profile, which, by the way, I've just recently locked down a little bit more again, because I'm kind of out. So my About section, on my LinkedIn, which up until last night, like I say, was totally publicly viewable, and I did that... um, more so to just kind of prove a point. I, I, I've kind of wanted to see for a while if anybody would pick up on. I'm actually pretty good at my job. Uh, and I've actually done some quote-unquote badass shit. And I'm not just some tubby dumbass or something, it's it, it's a little frustrating when uh, you've done the things that I've done, and you have an encounter with a, a local business that um, is taking advantage of everybody else, and then they set their sights on you, <laughs> like... Oh, oh yeah. Here's the fat old guy. Okay. Okay. But my about section in my LinkedIn, because I am a professional in the intelligence community, it's experienced working in the defense, space, and cyber warfare industries. Skilled in open source intelligence, signal capture and augmentation. That's where I threw in the SIGINT. Hardware fabrication. Unlike MacGyver. Trust me. Um, quality assurance audits. That whole making sure that we do it right. Every time. All the time. Kind of thing. Yep. <laughs> Very good at it. Programming both automated manual cyber security testing methodologies. I.E. I've built tests to facilitate these measurements kind of thing, I sit through the tests, and I verify the tests to make sure that the kit is running optimally and within specification. I've done it, the whole process, and I've used both, you know, programmatic stuff, i.e. the algorithmic things, and manual data-taking methodologies, And, you know, the physical testing of things, you know, turning knobs, shit like that, to take measurement. Most of my measuring devices are about 100K a pop. So it really sucks when they need to be repaired, which I've also repaired those, okay? Strong professional, focused in electronic warfare devices, computer software, and hardware engineering, reverse engineering. Okay. So then that's actually kind of a mix of my, my military and my civilian experience right there and I'll, I'll give you a couple places I worked here in a minute gone on to get some marketing sales, Google, and programming certifications I'm a fair hand with WordPress SEO and advanced Google search uh, you know, Google hacking, the Google hacking database I am I've actually written some training programs and other things. I mean, I have this podcast that I call Bio of a Grey Hat Hacker to kind of discuss my life and in, in hacking and hopefully show people that hackers aren't bad people and all that kind of thing. It's right here in black and white. Currently, I'm a barbering student, though I'm always open to other freelance opportunities. I am pretty much, but I I just got kind of done with the politics and the and the fucking intel stuff, right? I'm just done. That whole environment, security, and corporate, and over it. Did my bit for my country and now I just want to go off and cut some hair, right? Write my book, which is what this podcast is gonna do for me. Uh you know. I, I plan to run it through an editor. I I really hope somebody, you know, gets gets some knowledge out of this podcast and everything, but or you know, at least a few giggles. I mean I'd settle for that. But um I'm gonna turn this into a book these experiences and stuff. I'm going to turn it into a book. And I'm publish it. This, these these are kind of like my memoirs. And thoughts and shit. Over the past 20 years. And I'm hopefully giving some people. A little bit of. A little education. And other things. To go along with it. A few giggles along the way. Some things to think about. As you pursue. Uh, your different careers. Whether it be in security. Um. A security environment, intelligence, that kind of thing. Or if you're just some young hacker, trying to figure it out. I mean, in a lot of ways, I've been there, done that. I ain't got no kids. I might have to leave something behind, so that's what this is. In uh, my experience section, and in some recent content, I was talking about like, the easiest way for some to get information from somebody is that they give it to you. These are things that I put open out there on the net; they're for anybody to pick up. Nobody pays attention. So if you're ever worried about some. <laughs> Oh, the government's gonna get me. This, that, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, the attention span in in twenty twenty two is it's it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I never wanted everybody to like fear me or anything, but you know, <laughs> it, it it's kind of like. Everybody talks about you know how the Uber pad ass hackers oh oh they're scarier oh my god that's 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 really cool and it's kind of like this guy over here hey hi nah nah you, you're just an old fat dude all right cool and that made me pretty happy especially going into this barbering. That you know, I could just disappear. I could go off and do my, my books and stuff, but people are assholes and stupid, so I'm gonna have to deal with them. Uh, let's see, so we started with my uh, electronic warfare technician, he's a journeyman in the United States Air Force. I'm a veteran, came out with a full honorable discharge. This is all stuff that is publicly available, by the way. Like, if somebody thought that I was a piece of shit, this is something you could totally request from different agencies. Did did at least find out, did he serve in the military? Yes. What kind of discharge did he come out with? Full honorable. That there should tell you a bit. It's not as easy to just come out of the military with a full honorable discharge. It's not. Um, Because I didn't end up uh, finishing my first term of enlistment. And the reason that I didn't finish my first term of enlistment was because of uh, some policy changes that came down. And they were really trying to downsize the force. So I've never been a small guy... But, uh, you know, when I joined the military, I, I was in the best shape of my life, and uh, the smallest waist that I had while I was in was a 38, okay, and that's where they actually measure your waist, and that's up at your iliac crest, i.e., like, the top of your hip, your hip bone, okay, I'm, I'm a pretty wide guy. Now, um, that was directly after basic training and all that good stuff. I hit 40 inches, which the way that the policy was, uh, that's an auto-fail. That's an auto-fail by the policy. And again, they were trying to downsize the force, and this was the opportunity that they did. I had a lot of buddies... Uh, one friend in particular, who was built like a Greek god, had to have his BDUs custom, you know, fit to his arms, for instance, and, uh, like, 4% body fat, oh, they, they were trying to kick him out. He got a waiver, as he should, but, I mean, you know, this, this was, this was really a problem at this time, uh, Some of those standards have since been eased, and uh, if they were the way that they are today, I probably would have been able to stay in. My shop chief was fighting for me, all this other stuff, you know. um, I actually got denied a couple of promotions because of this, because even though it's not a, it just looks bad. Because what that goes on is that you're not able to maintain weight standards. Right? And you don't look good in uniform and all this other stuff. It's very visual when you're in the military. And it should be, to be honest with you. But I actually didn't look bad in uniform and, you know... But it is what it is. But with my shop chief fighting for me, and, you know, all the people wanting to keep me in, and also I got the full honorable discharge. I was an exemplary true, Exemplary. I was up for below the zone. I was going for my sergeant's test. I would have sewed on my senior airman. Uh... But the way that the the things worked, I basically got denied the so-on instead of getting rank taken away. And it was the end of that whole, well, I guess we'll just, you know, let them go. In most cases, if you just get let go, especially within your first term of enlistment, you get what's called a general discharge that's um and that's fine and once you get out you can get it upgraded to the the honorable discharge um because it's not like you did anything bad it's just a hey thanks for coming you, you did your bit um but we don't need you anymore have a nice day right that's all it is you need the full honorable to get most most of your veteran benefits it's kind of a must-have, so normally a lot of people spend, you know, their first six months getting out and getting their their generals upgraded to the, the full honorable. I did not have to do that, but my dumbass also didn't sign up for a lot of VA benefits, and I'm not paying for it now, but I digress. So that's how I got out of the military, and then I went to the civilian sector. I've worked at companies like uh, L3, uh, Cobham Sensor Systems. I was a data processing contractor for K and M Systems, and they're small time. I mean, you know, you're welcome to Google them, and all that kind of stuff. I'd advise that, if, especially if you want to get into this type of industry and um, you know environment. Always know everything about your competition. I'm not saying to full dock somebody and you know, SWAT them or anything. That's that's asinine and stupid. But learn how to use uh informational advantage or leverage for yourself. Okay. Because whether you're working for somebody, with somebody, stuff you've always got something on somebody. And they've always got something on you. That's why I was done. It's just the way it is. It's a terrible, terrible business. But I enjoyed it. So I'm a terrible, terrible person. But I worked for Delta Design for a little bit. That one was more of a uh, directly mechanic position. I did some testing and stuff like that, but it was so base, not funny. This company, I... Do you not like um, Tech Master Electronics Incorporated? The people there were great. The owner, he was dirtbag. He was off cheating on his wife, and she was also an owner of the company. And the person he cheated on his wife with eventually came and became like the HR head. It was really awkward. Really awkward. And then my most recent position was at uh, Aethercom. They're yeah, They've got a few uh, decent contracts with... um, Shit. They do have a couple with the Air Force. And I do think predominantly they do... It is... Air Force and some Marine, but, you know, Department of Defense ship there too. But yeah, Cobham, L3, and Aethercom. Solid, you know, Defense, Department of Defense subcontractors there. You know, I mean, think along lines of like Northrop Grumman, General Atomics, Um, those guys. They work hand in hand with most of these guys. I mean, it's it's a big fucking community. Because I, like I say, specialized in electronic ordnance or weapons. In a lot of cases, when I got out, it was uh, missiles, like the tracking systems and shit like that what I did tested, troubleshot, that kind of stuff to make sure that the right people get blown up and the wrong people didn't. That's what I do. Okay. And then when I was the data processing contractor, we were working on um, uh, we were working on a specific set of frequencies because all cell carriers are basically on the same type of frequency band. I'm trying to think of what I can say without you know breaking any kind of agreements or anything. And I, I do like those people. Just so we're clear, um, we parted on on very friendly terms and all that kind of thing. The contract just ended, um, i.e., the project was over. But you know, that one was with all the uh, the big cell carriers about ten years ago. was it? Yeah, eight years ago. But, yeah, and now I'm off to go be a barber. So, guys like me and, and girls, we have all this experience in the intelligence and security spaces mostly. Um,. Because those go hand-in-hand. Intelligence and security. Like, my side, information security. That's where I'm mainly focused. Although I do have, you know, some physical security type stuff. So what the hell... would I be, (laughs) I guess, if I was to give myself a job title? Professional troubleshooter. That's what I do. I'm a professional troubleshooter. A fixer. I don't like that word because it has a lot of negative connotations here in the states. But apparently in Britain, it's you know it's it's a it's a more neutral term. But I am a troubleshooter. There's and there's the situations. And, you know, we've analyzed the data. I'm that guy that goes, hey, you know, if we do X, Y, Z, that's probably a better idea. And I'm the guy that makes that kind of stuff happen. So I list myself as a consultant. (laughs) So that I don't upset anybody's sensibilities but, yeah, always been right here, in the black and white, it's what I always put in posts, and stuff like that, and it really makes me just kind of lose faith in society as a whole, because one of the reasons... That I post this kind of stuff up. Cause like I say, there used to be like respect for people like me. Like, at the minimum, like, uh, okay, yeah, he, he wants to go off and do his thing. Yeah, let's leave that dude alone. Let's leave that guy alone. And I do. I want to go off and do my thing. You know, write my books and maybe make some content on occasion, make a few bucks. Not after a million dollars here, but that's kind of like the goal in my life right now just do these little things like this podcast and maybe help some of my my barber friends that I've made with their businesses and getting their their web pages and you know their social medias and all that kind of stuff up in a good way, and they're not overpaying some of these yahoo digital marketers and shit. Because they don't need half the stuff that they're tra- <laughs> they're trying to be sold with. I mean, that's a dream. Maybe you could put up some web server stuff, like I.E. have my own web server. Get my friends on it. I do a little bit of domain trading on the side. I think right now I've got like fifteen or fifteen or twenty domains. Something like 1520. Not anything big. yet But I was all set to just go into barbering. And then I got to deal with this, like I say, jank um, LLC that I started going to barber school. And this is probably one of the most piece of shit businesses I've ever seen in my life. One of the most piece of shit businesses I've ever seen in my life. After, you know, basically 20 years of both military and Department of Defense shit, this was the worst fucking business I have seen, pretty much in my life. It says a lot. It says a lot. And, um, I'm gonna say, they treated, they treated everybody like shit, and I was just like, I guess I'll go along to get along, because I'd already started paying them, and at that time, their their hours were okay to, you know, go take this test here in California to get your barber license to be a barber it does require a license right so I looked at it as, a, as an opportunity to just chill out for a bit collect some hours and you know make friends in the school because I eventually want to open up my own shop right always thinking and some personal stuff happened about a little less than a year ago and uh, my grandfather was dying and i was trying to get a a leave of absence and i'm (laughs) i was in excellent standing by the way academically and uh i um i started dealing with these people because they're just so shady they were they were constantly changing their their quote-unquote corporate policies and All these, all these things. They had the balls to change my grades one time. I've got pictures. i got pictures of this shit. And the, none of the owners have a barber license. For instance. First and foremost. There's so much of what they're doing that's just wrong. Anyway so I hit the point where I I just basically said I'm done um no I'm not gonna pay you whatever you think that I should pay you you didn't uh you didn't fulfill the services I signed up for i.e broke contract many times a long time ago and I'm the fucking customer right it's literally what I said to them. I'm the fucking customer. And, you know, other people let you get away with that shit. I don't know why, but you're not gonna get away with that shit For me. I'm the fucking customer, and you're lucky I'm just walking away. Like, two weeks ago, I get a notice from a collection agency, and funny thing is there's only certain people that actually have my home address <laughs> like, literally I think I can count them on both my hands how few people have my home address I actually have a PO box set up for like billing and shit right? this fucking collection agency sends me a notice to my home address and expecting to settle the debt that I supposedly owe. Now, anybody listening to this, did it sound unclear that I um wasn't going to pay because they didn't fulfill the contract, right? From my experience, as I've just listed off, it's mostly military and or corporate, right? I've spent a lot of time in the high-tech industry and, you know, negotiations of patents and uh, intellectual property and all this other shit. I think I know what a breach of fucking contract is and where you can stick it. And they should have just been happy that I wasn't going to take them to court. (laughs) Right? Right. Uh... So... I now have to deal with these people. When I literally let a lot of that stuff go. And uh, it's going to be a bad day for them. Uh, I'm going to get back what I paid and then some. And it's, it's neither here nor there. Point is, intelligence has been very valuable to me throughout my career. And it is what has given me the advantage in 95% of circumstances I've been involved in. So, uh, I'm going to break this portion and start another segment, and we're going to go over some tips and tricks to gather your intelligence, whatever your subject matter is. you know. Th- so this is gonna be some actual practical application for you. So you didn't just sit, fucking listen to an old man talk and ramble. So I'll be right back. first thing you have to understand is that all information is useful. All information is useful. You just haven't found a use for the information yet. Okay? So, whenever you have a a problem posed to you, or you have a problem in life that you've come across for yourself, you should, first of all, Plan. Here, here's another process for you that has come out based on uh, something that I had talked about in a previous piece of content, the UDA loop: observe, orient, decide, act. Right. And that's the uh, the plan, do, check, act. It's kind of the same thing, and really, it's the, the exact same thing. The only reason that we use these these tools and these acronyms is just so that we can uh, keep track of these concepts in stages because it's easier to work from stages. Um, It makes the mind work in a more uh, linear path, which for planning purposes is great. You want to keep an open mind when you're trying to develop your um, your assessments and things like that. But for planning purposes, you want to have um, efficiency and order in mind. So the first thing that you need to do is take a minute and think about what type of information, what type of data you need to look for to address your problem. And that can be anything. Normally, one of the easiest ways to think about that is start thinking of questions of like who, what, where, when, why, and how, and apply it to your question. Uh, Like in my circumstance with that barber school, for instance, why did this happen? Okay? That might be a good question that I might want to answer. I'll go develop some data on that. Pull up in your mind, and I you know, I really advise that you don't take any more than five minutes tops for your initial question development. And this is if you're working on your own. So this is for the solo uh, intelligence person okay. uh, you will have other processes and procedure if you are working in a team and you're going to have to fill that niche in whatever spot that you're in but if you're solo you take that five minutes and you write down the questions as if you're the stakeholder and you are because you're, you're the person you're the guy um You're the person in charge, right? <laughs> the pick, P-I-C, there you go. So write down these questions and they don't just have to be all, all six of those. I apologize, that I actually had to count that out because I just do it automatically. These days, so I had to double check myself to make sure. Wait, there's five, six, five, six. But you can have more than one why question, more than one how question, etc. So you get your list of questions. The very first thing I would do is um, there's another form of analysis called root cause analysis, and uh, that is all based off of the question why. I would take any of those why questions and you can use any of the question types but it's primarily based on why why something happened Um, but like I say you can use any of the questions but definitely take your why questions first and take them back a step if you don't understand what I'm saying you might have to look into root cause analysis, but you take it back a step. Like, why, why did this whole thing happen? Because at this stage, this is what happened. Well, why did this happen at this stage? Because back two stages ago, this happened. Well, why did that happen at that stage? And you keep on going back until you get to the root of the problem. It's why, <laughs> that's the reason it's easier to work with why versus how because why, almost it, 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 it implies psychologically a definitive answer. How can be used in the same way, sort of, but why is a stronger choice, okay? So you get these questions and you just start gathering data. We're not necessarily um, totally targeted, like I say, you would weed out the obvious. Don't give a shit, right? So going back to this barber school, for instance, I'm not going to be looking up car washes, right? That's useless data. Off the rip. It sounds um, obvious, but in some circumstances, um, here's a good one. If I'm if I'm looking up dolphins, are we talking about the team, or the corpus, right? So do that kind of elimination in the beginning, okay? And then follow it through your stages. Um, I'm trying to think of just general tips because of the, all the different types. Intelligence is intelligence is intelligence. It's just all the vehicle in which it's delivered um, before it's analyzed, right? And how the information is gathered in what medium. It's all intelligence. So the analyst on the other side, though normally that sort of profession is involved in uh, whatever industry that data happens to be gathered in. They don't have to be. Um, Once given, you know, documentation or uh, spreadsheets or whatever that an analyst can go through, it's pretty much just by the numbers is what most people are going to be looking at. Uh, You know, the statistics, the different heat graphs or, or whatever to... Uh, develop their conclusions from the data and in some cases it's actually better to get a uh, an outside perspective from a uh, different disciplined analyst so that you can be assured that you're not uh, just having the blinders on because you're so Associated with whatever the data is coming from, right? So just food for thought, because I know that the idea of you know working solo or whatever might sound kind of sexy. I, it's not. It's really not. Uh, just like, just like the the envisionment of the badass hacker uh, making millions and sitting on a beach. No, that's not how that works, man. I mean, I'm sure there's there's some people out there that uh, they are that good, and they will never be caught, or you know, whatever. But um, by and large, nah. We're we're a bunch of sweaty nerds that are, you know, either really good at keyboards or. Patterns and making information turn into intelligence. Sorry, it's not sexy. You're staring at a lot of screens, and you know, we think it's cool, but it's not what it appears to be in the movies. So, put that out of your mind. Uh, Let's see. Any more tips on actual intelligence formation? Always keep it simple. Seriously, like so many people want to go into this and, you know, make the coolest graphs, make the the most colorful data visualizations, and a lot of it's not necessary. It's not. Um, your whole goal when you're delivering intelligence and making an intelligence product is so it's easily consumed by your stakeholders and they they can pick up what you're putting down, period. So they, without a shadow of a doubt, can interpret what the hell went through your mind at whatever stage it's critical for them to have that information, right? So Keep it simple. Even if you had to to gather hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of data and you had to sift through that shit and you had to find, you know, its correlation between whatever your question or problem was, it could be as simple as a one sentence thing to your boss that, that gave you the direction, hey, this idea sucks, here's why, but it sucks. If they've worked with you long enough, I mean, they're going to go, okay, here's why it sucks. Um, alright, kick this into our loop. Here you go, get to work on that. Now, obviously, you're going to have your data available for the stakeholders. I mean, that's that's kind of the other side of that. Um, the data doesn't go away, like even as you clean it and stuff like that, you put the shitty data into a separate file, for instance, and then you'd attach all your findings, all your your different stuff, they would get like, you know, a, a, a book like, hey, this is the shitty data, this is not part of the report type thing, okay? record keeping. That brings us to record keeping. Record, 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 record. I'm a person, I don't like to show my work. And it's not because I can't do it. It's because most times people don't understand it. I was talking about you need to keep things linear for your your plan, act, and do type things. When I'm actually working, my mind works on associations, patterns. It's it's intuitive to me, honestly. And that's just the way I've always worked. So trying to demonstrate that to somebody, it's not very easy. Not at all. So I've had to work with people enough for them to understand that, yeah he he actually has done that math in his head and I I, I don't need, I don't need to see the uh, the breakdown on it <laughs> right the executive summary is good enough <laughs> here we go good to go but seriously if you haven't developed that rapport with somebody you need to keep records. You need to be able to demonstrate what it is you gathered, why you came to conclusions that you came to conclusions of, and, you know, keep everything neat and tidy so somebody else can go through it for, you know, things like audits and stuff like that. Uh, Let's see. While you... Like many careers, especially in modern times, 2022, 20, to be specific, there's a big misconception that you require a college degree. This is something I'm going to say, and this should be considered as a blanket statement for a lot of industries out there. A college degree is not required anywhere. By law. It's not required. It's not required by law. What is required is whatever industry that you want to go into, wherever the hell you want to work, they're going to have requirements. Normally, things are not industry-wide. They might appear to be industry-wide, but there are special circumstances in any industry. Like I say, it's not a legal requirement that you have a degree. It becomes a professional standard, which means that that's it's still really, really, really expected. And in some cases, if you're not willing to go along to get along, you're not gonna be in that uh, that profession for very long. And there could be, depending on what the standards cover, you could have to pay some money, right? In most cases though, A standard is not a legal standard, it's a corporate standard, i.e., you know, all the corporate people or all the small business people in an environment, in an industry, get together, put their heads together and say, okay, this is is what the standard is, this is what we're going to accept, this is what we're not going to accept. Even with those, that's not a hard, fast rule. Because, um, for instance, in my industry, um, and I'm a high-tech, technological person, right? I've had many different types of roles at, at this point. For a lot of them, it actually, they'll tell you it requires a four-year degree, X amount years of experience, and whatever, right? Here's the why behind each of those requirements. It requires a four-year degree so that somebody can say, yeah, this person went to school, and they've learned the basics, and some advanced educational things, like, you know, higher math, science, stuff like that. They were probably involved in some school clubs. Most people don't just do nothing in school except school. And... They finish something, that's it. They don't give a shit if, if, if what your degree's in. Requires a four year degree. Or two year, depending on where you're gonna go. And then X amount of experience, right? Doing the main task of whatever it is that you're gonna be doing for them. Uh, especially in my career space my military experience qualifies in lieu of, of having a degree. It also qualifies if I would have a degree as to what I've done in the industry. I do not have a degree, but I had the the four years military, plus now we're at what? 15? No. Four years in the military? I 11 out In the civilian sector? I'd have to actually do the math again. I don't want to. <laughs> That's fine. Um, uh, I just honestly forget, because it's all kind of a blur. But you don't require a college degree. Is it a good idea? Hell yeah. Uh, especially getting into something, they won't even look at your resume. However, you can make friends with people and convince them to bring you one. You absolutely could. In, in my case, like I say, I don't have a degree. And I got out... In the military, uh, you know, after my first term. So I had no degree, and I got in the industry. And I now also have the experience. So, I mean, that was my path. It wasn't the easiest. If I had to do it all over again, I probably would have got my degree, which I'm only two or three credits from. My wife gets pissed at me. I just always hated school. Found it boring. Sorry. But let's see if we can give one more tip and I'm going to call it good. Talked about record keeping. We talked about your experience that you need to have to get into the industry. We talked about some methods for you to uh, actually begin on your data. Ah, there we go. I talked about the um, the patterns and uh, that kind of thing and the way that my mind works. And the associations. That can be your biggest tool and it should be, is your mind. We make these associations and... Um, recognize these patterns naturally everybody does so especially when you're analyzing stuff yes there's hard numbers there and you know there'll be statistics and heat graphs and whatever tools you're using to visualize data right but don't discount your own mind And make intuitive leaps. Because especially once you get the feel for it, it'll 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 increase the value of your your intelligence product. I.e., it'll increase the value of your contribution to um, your place of employ, to yourself. If you're running solo. Like I say, that doesn't happen very often. But, you know, for the true lone wolves out there, there you go. You can feel good about yourself. (laughs) Okay? But, uh... Most... Most work in teams. For a reason. You know? It's not just... You know, who's the boss. You need that, um... I had said that, uh... The analyst at the end you need to have a human mind go through the data to make final determinations and stuff. There's no algorithm that can do that yet. None. Even with the machine learning that we're there's a there's a human involved somewhere. And it's normally a team. Because everybody thinks a little differently. So you want to have at least two perspectives on your data if you're solo, you know, you might want to make a friend and be like, hey, let's let's go have some coffee. I need you to take a look at some shit. Alright. So that's been that's been the tip section of this. I uh I hope this has been informative, a little bit entertaining, and uh it has helped you know others begin to think about how they can make use of the intelligence cycle um, in, in their lives, but especially if it's it's something that you want to pursue as a career, um, you don't have to go to college for it. You can do it like I did and go off to the military, and you know um, you can either directly get into Air Force intelligence or. Uh, like army intelligence or whatever. There are specific job titles for that. But there's other. Other paths. Into the community. Both for security and intelligence. And they, they go hand in hand. And there's a lot of blending. A lot of blending. Um, and. You know. Someday you'll have a skill set that you, too, will not feel like writing down every time that you need to, (laughs) because it's as long as your fucking arm. Um, So think about those things, especially if you're a younger person on your path into industry. Can you be a security person without getting involved in intelligence? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And security is awesome. Security is awesome. Intelligence is awesome. IT help desk is awesome. I mean, no. It's all awesome, in my opinion. That's that's something that you really shouldn't look for. Is don't ever base. If you're going to think you're going to be happy. Because of how a title sounds. Like I just. I'm, I've been in the intelligence community. Since. I was in the military. I've never had intelligence. In, in part of my job titles. I had the, the analyst. In one. Right. But. The rest of mine are like technician or tester, um, but with what I do and what I test, yeah. So that's also a lesson in don't, don't ever look at somebody and think. That you're better than them because of a job title. I mean, you, you should respect everybody from the janitor up to the CEO. Besides that, janitors masters are masters of the custodial arts. So, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Bio of a Gray Hat Hacker. I'm William McVeigh II.